as you heard, even as, as people were talking, um, you know, parenting is an incredible blessing. Kids are a gift from the Lord. Psalm 127 makes that clear in other places. But they're also a tremendous responsibility. And I think we're all here uh, because we sense that responsibility and we, we understand the weight of what God has given. And um, I'm thankful for our time together. I am not an expert on parenting. Um, you know, I, I think of a uh, C.S. Lewis quote that has, uh, has resonated in my mind for a lot of years. It says, those like myself whose imaginations far exceed their obedience are subject to a just penalty. We easily imagine conditions far higher than we have really reached. And if we describe what we've imagined, we may make others and make ourselves believe that we have really been there and so fool both them and ourselves. You know, one of the, the tensions in all of our hearts is, um, you know, as we think about parenting, as, as I teach about parenting, as you listen to what the scriptures say, we can think because we've heard it, or in my case, because I've taught it, that means I have lived it. And that's not true. It just means we've taught it or we've heard it, um, and we need to apply that in our lives. And so, while I'm not an expert, it has been my joy to serve at Countryside for a number of years, and particularly in family ministry for the majority of that time, and interact with parents and to study the scriptures. And so I look forward to to the fruit of that in our time together, and uh, just really look forward to thinking about what does the Bible say about parenting? You know, there's so many voices out there that would tell us things that matter as parents. I mean, and it's more so today than when, you know, when my kids were were young, um, there was an internet, but it took a longer time to connect to it and to be on it and to be exposed to things. And so now, I mean, there's just tons and tons of voices screaming at you saying, this is what's important, or this is how we do this. And, And the weight and the pressure of all of those things can be overwhelming, and that's why coming back to say, okay, what does the Bible say? That's the voice we need to listen to. And, and so uh, as we go, that's the, the desire. That's my hope and my heart. I, I also want to leave some time for interaction, for questions, particularly later in the class as we deal with some more practical issues, and, and also to recommend some resources. We're not going to cover everything in this class that you would want to think about as a parent. And so I'll bring in and recommend some resources over time, both for you to think about as a parent and for you to use in interactions with your kids. Well, today in our first lesson, we want to just lay a foundation and encourage you to grab the handout on your table, and there's some pins there you can follow along um, as, we, uh, as we begin. Let's, let's pray together, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Our Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to be together. As parents, we're thankful for the chance to spur one another on through the study of your word and, and uh, our interactions. We pray that you would be honored in both our time together and in our parenting Help us to be committed to your word. Help us to be committed to uh, honoring you and growing ourselves so that we can lead our kids well. Um, use this class to that end. In Christ's name, amen. Well, as, as you think about a, a parenting class, you know, it's easy to jump into just focusing on what should we do as parents. That's really parenting, right? It's the what do we do as parents. And you may be in this class because you have a specific thing that you're, an issue that you're like, oh, as long as I learn how to handle this, it will have been worth my time. Um, you know, we, we can jump to what should this look like? And, and, you know, that's a temptation we all feel. We will talk about those things, but we shouldn't start there. 
I, I read an article a number of years ago, and you see this all the time in sports, about one of the guys who at the time was one of the best running backs in the NFL. And he was, uh, uh, was just uh, signed a new contract. He'd held out for that. And he was asked about his goals for that season. And he expressed that his goal was to rush for 2,500 yards, more than anybody had ever rushed before. Now, as he approached that season with that goal, again, it's reasonable to have some personal goals, but he was missing the point of football. The point of football is not to rush for a certain amount. It's not to have individual statistics. The point of football is what? It's, it's winning games. It's winning the Super Bowl. He should have had a larger goal in mind, but he was focused on himself and, and on the details. And in the same way, if we're not careful, we can get so focused on parenting that we forget parenting is not what life is all about. It's a consuming focus. It's something that is, is screaming at us every day as we have children, sometimes literally uh, our children. But it's, it's a reality that is, that is pressing, but it is not what life is all about. It's also easy to think of parenting as kind of a, a segmented part of life, as its own little silo that we can study and understand and think about, and, and that's not true. See, parenting is not an isolated part of life. Parenting, we have to understand, is one piece of God's larger design for the family. You can't think about parenting without thinking about the larger family. We, we, some folks even mentioned that, the, the challenges of, of, hey, our marriage matters a lot for how we parent and different things like that. And family is really one piece of God's larger eternal plan. God's plan is about more than family. There's a much larger purpose of God than simply family. And so if we're going to be faithful biblical parents, we need to start by understanding God's design for the family and how that fits into the larger context of what God is doing in the world. Turn with me to, to Genesis 1. We won't go into great detail on this, but you, you understand that the Bible is not a book about parenting. It's, it's not entirely devoted to what you should do as a mom or as a dad, but it does contain vital truth about it. But that truth occurs in a larger context of what God is doing and how he instructs us to think and to live. The Bible begins in Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Apart from recognizing who God is and that he is the authority and the creator, we will misunderstand parenting. And, and God dis, uh, describes in Genesis 1 how he designed and created male and female and, and ordained the family. Pick up in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and the cattle and over the earth and every creeping thing. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea. Part of God's good design was to create male and female and he blessed them. And part of that blessing was you will procreate, you will have children who will ultimately fill the earth. That was God's intent 
God's design for the family, that, that we as those who represent and reflect God would, would have children and, and fill the earth and, and, and rule over the earth. And so back down in chapter 2, verse 15, it says, And the Lord God took man and put him into the garden and to cultivate it and to keep it. And this is kind of a zoomed-in view of what took place in chapter 1. And, and it says in verse 18, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. This was the details of God creating them male and female. And, and this is the first time God said, hey, this isn't good. Everything else, he made it, it was good. He made it, it was good. He made it, it was good. Here he says, wait a minute, man, it's not good for him to be alone. I'll make him a helper suitable for him. And so God created woman, verse 22, and, and man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God made male and female and joined them together and said, you will have children, and then that child will leave and, and do the same thing and be another family together. All sounds great, but chapter 3 comes, right? And sin enters the world. There's temptation from Satan and and and. He distorts God's good design coming to the, the woman undermining the leadership of the, the husband and, and they give in to sin and then there's consequences of sin, blame shifting in relationship with each other, uh, the curses that affect the family, all of those things come and yet God is not done with us. God gives the rest of Scripture to fill out that plan of the coming Messiah, the Savior who would redeem us from our sin so that ultimately we can be restored to relationship with Him. You see, family fits into that. Parenting fits into that, but it's a much larger reality of what God is doing. Well, I want to just point out a, a few principles from these verses that are foundational for our understanding about the family. The first thing that we see, and we saw this back in, in verse 1 of Genesis 1, is that God is the ultimate authority over everything. If we miss that, we can talk all day about parenting, and, and we can enjoy memories, and we can do all sorts of things, but we are missing the foundation. He's the ultimate authority. He made everything. He created us. He designed us. He's the one who knows what is best. He's the one that it's all for. It's for his glory and honor. And, and God has designed families, secondly, as a part of his larger eternal plan. You see that God intended families for a specific purpose. They were not just an afterthought. They were not just something that God said, yeah, maybe we could try this. He designed them as a key component for the way the world is to function. They're a key component of how God is now working in a sinful world. He designed families on purpose, and marriage is the foundation of the family. This is significantly under attack in our world. God created male and female. He didn't create initially children with them. He created a, a couple Adam and Eve, with an intended purpose, a purpose of companionship and completion and help. Marriage is the foundation of, 
of the family. It's vital. We could spend six weeks on a marriage class before we spent six weeks on a parenting class. We're not going to do that. Uh, but we could because it matters. Husbands are ultimately the head of the family and God's design. The wife, while not the leader and while spiritually equal to the man, plays a vitally important role, but we see that Adam was created first and Adam was given responsibility for uh, fulfilling the plan of God. Men, it, it starts with you as a husband and as a father. Husbands get to lead sacrificially. Husbands are responsible. They get the blame. There's a responsibility that comes. Now, I understand sometimes husbands don't fulfill their role faithfully. Sometimes husbands are not in the picture, and God gives grace in those situations. But his intent is that, men, you are leading your family well. Children, fifthly, are an expected blessed addition to the family. Again, this is a uh, under attack in our world as well. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say, you know, yeah, children are a bummer, but it's probably something you should do. No, he said these are a blessed thing. They're an expected addition to the family. Again, there are situations and circumstances where for various reasons God chooses to withhold children from some families, but the, the normal pattern is you get married, you should expect and embrace the reality of children. They do interfere with your life, <laughs> They do mess up things that, that you could be neater and tidier without them. There's all kinds of things that children bring, but they are at their core a blessing. But they are a blessing that is intended to be raised to leave and start their own family. Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. You know, that's one of the sober, scary realities about parenting. It's also one of the joys that you can anticipate about parenting. I know some of you are like, oh, my five-month-old is so cute. I will never want them to leave me. And, uh, and, and sometimes you get to the place where you're like, oh, my 17-year-old is also so cute, but I am excited for them to go on their own. Like that you see that process of this is good. But it's hard and we need to parent with that vision that this is not about us just keeping our kids. This is about us raising our kids to go out, to leave and, and to be on their own with a, a measure of responsibility for themselves. We see another reality that's key, that sin has twisted and undermined everything God has designed, including every aspect of the family. The consequences of sin are huge. Everything that you are supposed to do in your marriage and as a parent is now twisted by sin to where it's very difficult. It doesn't come naturally to us apart from God's work and God's grace. Parenting is now hard. It's hard because our marriages are affected by sin what did Adam and Eve do when they, when they sinned? Adam's response when God came to him and said, have you eaten of the fruit that I commanded you not to? What did he do? He said, well, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit. What did he do? He blame shifted. So easy. And kids bring that out in us. It's not my fault they're that way. It's your fault they're that way. Or why didn't this go well? It's, it's not me, it's you. 
Sin has broken fellowship with God. He, he said they hid from him, and, and he said the woman you gave, Adam wasn't really just blaming his wife, he was blaming God. There's broken fellowship with God. We, we aren't in, in, in union with him apart from Christ, and our sin is a barrier to that. And, and even as those who are in Christ, our sin can, can cause us to have a, um, a broken fellowship with him. The curses you see specifically affect the family. Things like childbirth. Sorry to those of you who are anticipating that. To pain in pain, you will bring forth children. Both the process of having the child and and the process of raising children is now filled with with pain and difficulties because of sin. Again, marriage is twisted because of sin. Our desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. He says in Genesis three sixteen. The wife will not embrace that eager role of helper and the husbands will not be a loving leader because of sin. Yes, but ultimately, we understand the gospel is the ultimate and only hope for the world and for the family. God doesn't get to the curses of chapter 3 and say it's done and you're hopeless. He says, no, there's, there is hope. I'm going to send one, a, a seed of the woman who will be the Savior. He didn't leave them covered in figs. He he or leaves. He he sacrificed an animal, uh, atoning in some way for their sin, and covered them with the skin of that that one who had died. A picture of what was coming in the gospel, of of the coming of Christ. As the gospel is what gives you hope as a parent. The gospel is what gives you hope that you can be a faithful parent and that God can work in the lives of your kids. It's what motivates us to respond to the Lord as we ought. So family is one piece of God's larger eternal plan. And parenting is one piece of God's larger design for the family. So how does parenting fit into that larger eternal plan of God? If God is about the work of redeeming a people for himself, of, of saving sinners who have rebelled against him, of ultimately conforming them to the image of Christ, and, and one day if we fast forwarded to the end of the story in Revelation of the redeemed of God being with him, restored from the sin-cursed world, if that's what God is about how does parenting fit into that? I think we could summarize it a, a number of ways, but I'll, I'll put it for you this way. God's design is that sinful parents first be redeemed and transformed in Christ. You understand God's desire for you and for me is that we would be redeemed, we would be saved from our sin restored to relationship with him, and then grow to be transformed in Christ. That's his goal for you. And parenting is, is really a, a powerful means to that end. Some, some folks shared that one of the joys and challenges of parenting is sanctification. We'll talk more about that. It's that you see your sin really clearly when you are parenting your kids, Sometimes it's in response to their sin. Sometimes it's just your sin showing up or mine. That can be a great thing, not in the sense that we're glad we sin, 
but in the sense that it shows us our sin and it's a chance to grow and be redeemed, to be transformed, to, to, be, to, to become more like Jesus. And, and kids help us to see that. But if you don't want that, if that's not your heart, that's not how, how you're, what you're striving for and desiring, you're not going to respond to your sin well in those situations. God's design is that we be redeemed and be transformed in Christ. It's also that we display God's redeeming, transformative work in our lives to our families and to the world. See, he doesn't just say, I want to make you like Jesus for your sake, although that's part of it. He says, I want you to be like Jesus so that I am glorified as others see that. So that people look at you and they give glory to me. That's why he is redeeming and rescuing us. So he wants us to display that. So part of what God has done is he said, hey, you as a parent, you have the opportunity to be saved, to grow, to be like Jesus. Parenting is going to force that on you in some ways or give you that opportunity in some unique ways. And you get to grow then to be more like Jesus. And I'm going to put some little people in your world who get to watch that. Who get to see you reflect Jesus so that hopefully uh, Christ is glorified. You get to be redeemed. You get to display God's redeeming, transformative work to your families in the world. And then you get to be instruments of God's redeeming and transforming work in the lives of your children. This is what we usually think about as parenting. How do I help my kids? How do I lead my kids? How do I minister to my kids? And that matters, but it's about us first being redeemed ourselves, displaying the work of God, and then engaging in how can we be instruments of God's redeeming and transforming work in their lives. That's God's intent. That's what God is doing. It's more than just parenting. It's more than just getting your kids to survive through age 18 when they're on their own. It's more than them getting a decent education so that they can provide money for them. It's, it's about God's eternal plan. So as parents, we must understand God's design for the family. Secondly, a second foundation, we have to maintain the right focus as parents. You know, what do you think of when you think of a good parent, or what do you think most people think of when they think of a good parent? You know, if you, if you think about that, um, you know, or, or we might ask it this way, what do most parents focus on? You know, what, what is it that parents are striving for to say, okay, I want to be a good parent, so what am I going to prioritize to that end? You know, I think most parents would say, I want to be a good parent. Very few set out to say, I want to be a train wreck of a parent. I just want to totally ruin this thing. That'd be great. No, people want to be a good parent, but what, what does that look like? You know, I, I think for many people, uh, they might think, well, a good parent is like a perfect parent. You know, they may look at somebody else and think, oh, they're such a perfect parent. I could never be like them, so I could never be a good parent. And they're focusing on, on perfection. Some parents focus on the, the following of right methods or techniques. You know, if I just do the right thing, I'll be a good parent. If I, 
you know, have the right schedule for my, my young children, or if I, I can just follow the right techniques, if I find the right parenting book, or, or just discipline my kids and practice family worship, if I'm just doing the right thing, I'll be a good parent. Some kids think, well, I know I, I or parents think I, I couldn't ever be a good parent myself, but I can entrust my kids to other people who will be a good influence in their life. You know, I'll find the best Sunday school teachers and the best coaches and the best piano teachers and the best school teachers and and I'll expose my kids to other experts and that will make me a good parent because at least I put them in the context of others. Some focus on the results. A good parent has obedient children. So if my kids are, are good kids, then I must be a good parent. If I can just get them to obey me, and they, they tend to be very focused on their outward behavior and, and be pragmatic. If it works, if my kid's responding, it must be good. Well, there's a sense in which all of those things, or many of those things, are, are reasonable things for us to consider and to strive for and to do as parents, but it's very easy to focus on uh, the wrong things as parents. It's very easy to be focused on just providing the right opportunities for our kids or our own methods and techniques or our own inadequacies and failures or the results of things in our kids' lives. But Scripture gives us more clarity of what our focus should be. It begins and helps us to think about the reality that if we're going to have the right focus as parents, we need to target our child's heart, not simply their behavior. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Luke 6.44 and 45 says, Each tree is known by its fruit. Men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. The evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. Or Mark seven twenty-one says, Out of the heart proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. It's easy as parents to focus on outward behavior of our children, primarily because that's what affects us the most. You know, my one-year-old won't eat their peas. My, my baby always cries when I change their diaper or put them in bed. My two-year-old won't stay in their bed. My four-year-old gets really mad when I discipline them. My six-year-old keeps sneaking pens and markers and writing all over herself. My eight-year-old lies to me about brushing her teeth. My 12-year-old argues with me about what clothes to wear. My 14-year-old whines about getting an Instagram account. You know, if only I was a good parent, my child wouldn't do those things. Or if, if only I could get my child to not do those things, life would be good. The Bible says, no, the, the goal is not simply changing behavior. The goal is to see real, lasting, heart-level change in ourselves and in our children. The goal is to be their heart, We'll talk more about what that looks like, but as parents, that's got to be our focus. If my child doesn't talk back to me, that's a good thing, but that's not the goal. 
They could be seething on the inside. They could just have, have not wanted the consequence. It doesn't mean they're respecting me. It just means on the outside they're obeying. Uh, they're, they're, they're displaying some conformity to what I want. We have to focus on more than just changing behavior. We have to focus on heart level change. We also have to strive for faithfulness rather than simply fruitfulness. That has to be our focus. Ephesians 6, a verse we'll look at in great detail in the coming weeks, verse 4, says, Fathers, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Children are commanded to obey, but fathers are not commanded to produce obedience in their children. We cannot guarantee the results in our kids. That's a sobering reality for us to think about. You can't guarantee an outcome in your children, but you can be faithful to what God has called you to do. You see, the success of this class for you is not, are my kids different six weeks from now? You know, if, if I was to give you a, a valuation form after this class, you know, like a professor in college, you know, what, you know was this class successful and helpful for you? And, you? and you say, well, no, my kid still does all the same things. That, that's not the goal. I, I hope it's fruitful in your kid's life, but I hope more than that, it's producing faithfulness in you and in me. You see, the result of that pursuit of of faithfulness rather than simply outcome-based fruitfulness or that that fuels in us the, the reality that we also have to pay attention to who we are, not simply what we do. If we want to be faithful and not just try to get a certain outcome, it matters who we are, not just the things that we do. 1 Timothy 4 talks about how we should watch our life and our doctrine closely. It's, it's about examining ourselves. And, and the temptation in a parenting class is to jump to all the verses that talk specifically about parenting. If we were to think about verses like Deuteronomy 6, 7 to 9, about instructing our kids and talking to them, and we'll look at all these in time. Ephesians 6, 4, uh, Psalm 145.4 and many others we could list. If we jump right to those verses and say, what should we do? Tell me what I should do this week. Well, we'll tend to focus on what we do as parents. Our focus will move towards parenting methods. Success will likely be determined by the results in the lives of our children. And we will tend to view parenting as a segregated part of life if that's all we focus on. But if we recognize that what the Scriptures call us to is not just godly parenting, it's not just what we do, but it's to be godly parents, we're going to recognize there's a context to these verses. Turn to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6. There's a very familiar section of Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, talks about 
what we should do as parents. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. God's instructing parents, saying, you got to be intentional to teach your kids God's word. You do that formally, you do that informally, and we could all say, that's right, let's go out of here, and we'll try to talk to our kids about the Bible this week, and that would be a, a good thing for us to do. But notice the context. He starts back in verse 4 and says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. It starts with who God is. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. And then verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your sons. So can you just pick up with, okay, I need to teach my kids the Bible, and ignore the fact that he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and these words shall be on your heart, and then you shall teach your sons. You see, if we see that context, and it's everywhere in Scripture, every verse that tells you what to do as parents is in the context of larger either immediately in that passage or in the larger context of the book in the context of of a broader perspective of what should be true of us when we recognize that our focus will will tend toward who we are as parents do i love the lord am i committed to his word is he the center of my life Our focus will first be on our own hearts and our motivations. Why do I want to teach my kids the Bible? Is it just because I want them to obey me because life is better when they do and the Bible tells them to obey me, so by golly, I'm going to teach them that? No, that's not to be the reality. Success will be, be determined by our faithfulness in fulfilling our responsibility and we will tend to view parenting as related to all of life. We'll talk more about this in a moment, but this is either a really scary thing or it's a really um, freeing thing. This means we can't fake good parenting, but if we are seeking to be godly people and we are committed to the word of God, that will flow from us. This means that God must be the center of our lives, that Christ must be the center of our lives. Our focus has to be on centering our lives on Christ, not on ourselves or our children. As Deuteronomy 6 said, you shall love, what? The Lord your God with all your heart. We we have to center our lives on Him. God wants us to be Christ-centered parents who understand our need of Christ and have are saved by faith in Him and who follow and obey Him and love Him with all our heart and and are eager to be transformed into His image and live for His glory. That's why it's impossible in a six-week class to cover everything the Bible says related to parenting because everything the Bible says is related to parenting. Because as you live a Christ-centered life, believing about what He has said about Himself, Living for his glory, seeking first his kingdom, you are parenting. You are living for him and impacting others. As I mentioned, this can be a scary, sobering reality because you can't fake it. If you want, you know, 10 tips and tricks for good parenting, that's not what the Bible presents. 
You can't do it in 30 minutes of quality time a day and then go live the rest of your life. But this is also, I hope, very freeing. You don't have to read every good book on parenting to be a good parent. You don't have to keep up with every blog post on child nutrition. You don't have to have your child in every possible beneficial extracurricular uh, class or activity. You primarily need to be a faithful Christian. You need to love Christ and live for Him. That includes digging into His Word to see what He says about parenting, but it's about letting that commitment impact parenting just as it should impact every other aspect of life. But it's easy to lose that center, isn't it? Especially when we have children. There's a a helpful book called Gospel-Powered Parenting that talks about the distinction between being child-centered as a parent and being Christ-centered. One of the temptations that comes when we have children, we love our children and we can tend to let them become the center of our hearts and our worlds. And in so doing, we are actually teaching them something that's wrong. We're teaching them that life is all about them and it's not. It's all about Christ. And so we can easily have Christ as some component in our life, we think, but he's kind of on the outside and, and our childs are at the center. This book gives a, uh, an example of that, of a couple, Ken and Jackie. It says this, they were sincere parents, but their sincerity was their problem. They, they loved their kids, but in some ways they loved them too much. Their oldest son was a talented athlete. He excelled at the local U16 soccer team, but the team practiced during the dinner hour and the family stopped eating meals together. They'd been in the habit of praying and reading the Bible after meals. This also ended. Their daughter was an exceptionally talented ballerina. Her lessons were expensive, and, and so they couldn't afford to, uh, to do the lessons and to give, and so they said, we'll resume giving when she graduates. They rationalized and Soon the family was traveling to weekend soccer tournaments. Most were on Sunday, so church attendance became increasingly sporadic. Slowly, their social world began to revolve around other soccer parents rather than their church family. Although their son and daughter attended church youth functions, soccer and and ballet always came first. At age 16, their daughter began to audition with professional ballet troops in distant cities, and soon they were traveling to her weekend auditions. Eventually, the children went off to college, and within a few years, they had both quit attending church. They forgot God. They threw themselves into their real interests, athletics and dancing. Ken and Jackie were deeply troubled. What went wrong? What can we do to get our children back? They'd made a common mistake. They centered their family around their children. It's important to love your children, he writes, but there is a fine line between healthy parental love and child worship. We know the latter has happened when we begin compromising God's will for the sake of our children or their activities. Ken and Jackie's children imitated their parents. Mom and dad taught them well. Church was not important. God was not at the center of their lives. What really mattered were their children's activities. They had placed their children and their success on the throne of the family. It's a sobering reality. You see, how we, how we center our life communicates volumes about our own heart and, about, and it communicates volumes to our kids. Our children are important. We love them. We serve them. We sacrifice for them. We allow them to do all kinds of things that are a, a blessing and a benefit, but they are not the center. Christ must be the center. Some, some parents don't have their kids in the center, 
they have themselves in the center. Instead of sacrificing all things and all priorities for the sake of their kids, they live with their desires driving the train. I want what I want, and, and the things that I'm going to pursue are central and foremost. And so, while, while the children is not in the center of the family, the parents' will and desire is. No, we need to have a, a Christ-centered focus, a, a central focus on Christ, recognizing our marriage is the lasting long-term relationship, and children then are an added blessing to our family that we will love and serve. So how does a a Christ-centered parent handle a a two-year-old who's tearing up their house or or relate to a teenager who doesn't want to talk with them? Or, uh, you know, does a Christ-centered parent let their 12-year-old have an iPad or an iPhone? I mean, those are things that we need to think about and the Bible helps us to think about. But if we miss the starting point of us loving Christ and centering our life on Him, we will not ultimately be the kind of parents that God intends, regardless of what we seek to apply in our lives. The Bible gives us that help and wisdom, and we will spend really the rest of our class talking about those kinds of things, but do not miss this foundation. We have to maintain the right focus as parents. A third and and final foundation I just want to briefly mention, and we'll come back to a number of these things, is we have to, as parents, balance some critical truths in tension. Truths tied to God's design of and intent for the family that must be kept in balance. You know, one of the things that I'm struck with, even in the early chapters of, of, uh, of Genesis, you know, Satan loves to twist things. He, he doesn't really care how we err from God's truth. He just cares that we err from God's truth. And if he can get us to, to warp something or to twist it or get it out of balance, he's, he's happy. And so we have to balance the, the biblical truths that God teaches us and keep a right perspective of those things. I'll just give you a few of those things that I'm talking about. One would be the priority of the family and the broader plan of God. Like we have just talked about, the, the family matters, but it can't be the central focus of all of our lives. Family and parenting is one of the most important priorities of our life. Do not neglect that responsibility. Don't think family doesn't matter, but at the same time, recognize God is about more than simply families. You know, I I hope that none of you would say things like, well, you know, we're so busy with our kids that we, we don't have any time really to serve but once our kids are out of the house, we'll have a lot more time in that. No, that's, that's neglecting one of these things for the sake of the other. You know, at the same time, we shouldn't say, oh, all I ever do is serve in church and other things, and I never get to spend time with my family because church is what matters. No, we've got to balance these realities. A second one is the, the balance of God's sovereignty and our responsibility. We'll talk more about this in the coming weeks, that only God can change your child's heart. So that means, whew, we can just sit back on the couch and watch him work, right? No, because God says parents are the primary means that he uses to change a child's heart. You've got to keep those things, I've got to keep those things in balance. I've got to work hard, be faithful, at the same time rest in God is the one who works. A third, parenting today with an eye 
to tomorrow. We have to recognize parenting is a long-term commitment that requires a long-term eternal perspective. At the same time, parenting is the briefest of opportunities and each day must be seized. Let me encourage you, you're not going to ruin your kids tomorrow. There's hope. It's a long-term process. Um, But what you do tomorrow matters. We have to live in the moment, seize the, each day, be faithful each day. At the same time, recognize this is a long-term deal. It's a long-term commitment, and we have even a commitment that is longer term than just the time they're in our home. A fourth reality we, we need to recognize is parenting is about God using me to change my kids versus parenting is about God using my kids to change me. Don't lose sight of those things. God wants to change you to be more like Jesus, and He is going to use your kids to squeeze you so that sin comes out, so you have the opportunity to do that. You know, you think about things that take a long time as a parent. I'm glad to be past some of the stages like potty training. It takes a long time. Why is that? Could God not say, like, you will get this instantaneously, and it'll, it's, you know, there's no process in that? No. Nah. He could do that, but he said, no, this is going to take a while. Your kid's going to get there. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that any of your children will ultimately end up potty trained. But, the, but the, the process can be sanctifying for you as a parent. As parenting is about God using you to influence your kids, it's also about God using the context of your kids to change you. Don't neglect either of those realities. Every interaction with your kids, God desires to change them. And every interaction with your kids, God desires to change you. And then, lastly, we want to be faithful to understand the the priority of modeling the fatherhood of God while also being a child of God. We'll talk more about this in the coming weeks as well, but we are to be a model for our kids of the loving, authoritative fatherhood of God. One of the things that parenting is about is being a picture of what God is like for the sake of our children. They get to see, hopefully, from us a faint reflection of God's character in a way that helps them to understand Him. At the same time, we are to be a model for our kids of a humble, dependent, submissive child of God. We are also a child of God, and we get to model for our kids what it looks like to love Him and to be humble before Him, to be dependent on Him, to fall short of His standard and confess that and to grow. We want to model both of those things, and we need to keep those things in balance. So guys, I look forward to the rest of our time together in the coming weeks. It's so important that we start with a solid foundation. That we understand God has a larger design for the family than just how you parent tomorrow. He cares about more than just parenting. He cares about redeeming a people for himself who are conformed to the image of Christ for His glory for all of eternity. And parenting is a a key part of how He is doing that, but it is only one part of how He is doing that. 
And we need to keep the right focus as parents, not focusing on the outcome of our kids' behavior, not focusing on just how we do certain things in our methods, but focusing on the reality that Christ is to be the center of our hearts and life and of our family, and that we want to see that be the case in our kids as well. And we need to balance these critical truths intention to keep our minds committed to all that God has to say so that we are thinking in a way that's consistent with his word. Well, next week we will jump into more of what we do as parents, what God has called us to. Uh, Just to give you some sense of the structure for the class, we will work through some of the key biblical themes that God has given to us as parents, kind of framing those under the two themes of of instruction and training or discipline for our kids. And then we will focus on some more practical issues, things that are true in our world and how the Scriptures encourages us to think about and address those uh, towards the end of the class. So look forward to uh, our time. We have five more weeks after this one. Uh, Again, I encourage you to take those questions on the back of your handout. Spend some time thinking about those things uh, this week, reflecting on these big picture realities as, uh, as we seek to parent faithfully uh, before the Lord and to be conformed to Him. So let's pray. You can hang out and talk, eat a few more donuts, and, uh, and then get up to the service here in a little bit. Let's pray together. Our Father, we're thankful for Your Word. Thank You that You are a faithful God, that You have called us not simply to parent, but You have called us to know you and to be conformed to your image and to bring glory to you as we are instruments in the lives of others. And I pray that would be the the desire for each of us. Lord, we all are in this class because we feel the weight of parenting. And and Lord, we're all in this class because we want to think carefully about what that looks like in our lives. But uh, help us to Uh, first and foremost, desire to honor you in every aspect, to live for your glory, to love you above all else, to center our homes in that way. We thank you and uh, entrust the rest of our class to you. In Christ's name, amen.